0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspointcom It was the uh, called the 4J Construction Firm. The reason it calls 4J Construction Firm, firm, because all the dudes in the company were first names J, Joe. Joe was the the owner of the company. The guy that started it. He had his boys in the company. It was Joe. It was James and Jude, and then Joshua, Joshua. They called him Joshua. Uh, just kind of did a thing. The oldest kid, somewhere around 30 years old, decided to go off on his own and started saying things, and then crazy stuff started doing things. Went, that's different. Miracles and crazy teaching. Like, what is going on here? He said he had this mission, this kingdom, this revolution. It was going to be so amazing, going to change the world. And They thought, change the world? We got to get this guy to a, a, get him somewhere. He's lost his mind. This this guy has. And yet it kept growing and growing. He comes into Jerusalem on the back of a a baby donkey in explicit fulfillment of, I am the one. I am God. I am here to save everyone. And you thought, this is it. The revolution has started. The mission is going to go. And right at the point where you think it's going to be it, that Friday, his naked bruised, bludgeoned, tortured body is hanging on scaffolding at the city dump outside the walls of the city. Like like the defining moment of the revolution of Jesus was a cross. Now for you and I, we hear that today and think, okay, but the cross, some of you probably, I want to just curious, anybody have in the room today, have cross, crosses at your house anywhere? Cross necklaces and jewelry, cross tattoos, all, yeah, all kinds of people, it's become this beautiful symbol, yet yeah, we cannot grasp how crazy it was what God did to change the world in the person of Jesus when Jesus shows up here because Jesus didn't just come to change your life or tweak your life. He came to revolutionize it. He came, he said, to be the light of the world. Now, any yahoo shows up today, any moron shows up today and says, I'm the light of the world, you're going to go, that guy's crazy. But he did some things that were kind of crazy and amazing. Well, maybe he is the light, but they, like, he's, he's, he's way, way too full of himself. And then he's there hanging on a cross, and yet the way of Jesus' the revolution is he doesn't just come and kind of gradually, slightly tweak, change, improve things. He revolutionizes everything, even the most despicable, horrifying instrument of torture and tragedy ever devised by the human race, crucifixion on a cross. Uh, The revolution changed everything. It was the light that brought darkness even to that. Uh, There's a guy named Tom Holland, not a Christian. He's a historian. Uh, He's written all kinds of books. If you like to read, read him. If you don't like to read, don't read him. He'll he'll just bore you to death. But um, he wrote a book years ago called Dominion. And the book is called Dominion, and the subtitle is How Christianity Changed the World. And look at me. Tom Holland is not a Christian. He's not a theologian or a pastor. not trying to convince anybody to follow Jesus or any of that. He very explicitly says, but he says, you can't... He says, you basically, in the foreword, in the preface, he says, you have to be a moron to not see that Christianity has revolutionized everything, everywhere. Even things like, he says, like, the crazy thing that a Roman torture device is hanging in beautiful cathedrals, hanging off people's ears. Crazy. Look, look what he says here. It'll be up on the screen here. It's a longer quote. It says, this is why the cross... That ancient implement of torture remains what it has always been, the fitting symbol of the Christian revolution. It is the audacity of it, the audacity of finding in a twisted and defeated corpse the glory of the creator of the universe that serves to explain more surely than anything else the sheer strangeness of Christianity and of the civilization to which it gave birth. Today, the power of this stranger remains as alive as it's ever been. It's manifest in the great surge of conversions, conversions that have swept Africa and Asia over the past century. It's manifest in the conviction of millions upon millions that the breath of the Spirit, like a living fire, still blows upon the world. And it's even manifest in Europe and North America in the assumptions of many more millions who would never think to describe themselves as Christian. All are heirs of the same revolution, a revolution that has. At its molten heart, the image of God dead on a cross. The light of the world changed everything. Here's the crazy thing. Our big what-if series is what if Jesus meant it when he said everything he said. In Matthew 5, what Berekid just read for us, he looks at us. He looks at these guys and says, hey, guys, guess what? It's not just me. It's not just me. I'm not just the light of the world. He says, you're the light of the world. Now, if I'm sitting there that day, I go, he's got to be talking about somebody else. Okay, so the light of our community, maybe. Let's be a little light in our community and kind of make a difference there and help people out and show the way of love in Jesus. The light of the, <laughs> the world, they, they couldn't have grasped it. And, and yet, uh, Jesus says it. There's a, a great verse, if you have your Bibles open to it, or open anywhere, find the book of uh, Philippians. If you go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, then there's all the uns books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all those. Find the book of Philippians. Philippians 2, chapter 15. I'm going to start in kind of the middle of the verse. It says this, Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. For those of you that grew up going to church, which was probably maybe half of you, I don't know what your story is. We used to sing a little song in there, in church. Some of you know it. This little light of mine. I'm... Are you guys getting this? Yeah, we'll stop singing right now. This little light of mine. I grew up in a city called Anaheim, and so it was... Shine all over Anaheim. (laughs) We're going to let it shine. And then there's a modern-day worship leader. Some of you may have heard of her name, Robin Fenty, also known as Rihanna. In her song, that tells us to shine bright like a diamond. So when you hear that song again, this is what Jesus has called us to do. She's echoing that. I know that song is not about that at all, so don't Google lyrics and Google Rihanna. But anyway, Um, we're the light of the world. You, us, all. And here's the crazy thing is when he said it, you kind of think, "Is that really happened?" Put this picture up here on the screen, this map. Christianity is the only religion in the world, only spirituality in the world, that is not ethnically or geographically centered in anything. It started, oh yeah, good luck finding Israel on the map in there. For those of you that pay attention to history and geography, you can find it there. This pledging little nothing thing, and it's gone everywhere. Now there's these other here, you can see the code over here. There's places that are more Islamic, people that are Buddhist. Those are all tended to be tied geographically. Jesus says, no, it's going to be the light of the world. What's the crazy thing about the Christian revolution? It's worked. The light of Jesus has gone everywhere. Has gone everywhere. Uh, despite all the attempts to dismiss it, whatever, it's gone everywhere. And again, Tom Holland in his book, Dominion, he says it this way. Christianity is the most Enduring and influential legacy of the ancient world and its emergence, the single most transformative development in Western history. Even the increasing number in the West today who have abandoned the faith of their forebears and dismiss all religions as pointless superstition remain recognizably its heirs. Seen close up, the division between a skeptic and a believer may seem unbridgeable. Widen the focus, though, and Christianity's enduring impact upon the West can be seen in the emergence of much that has traditionally been cast as its nemesis in science, in secularism, and yes, even in atheism. Guys, do you realize here, all the crazy liberal stuff going on in the world right now, and whatever your political convictions are, there's all kinds of, you you know what, they have the language for this, to repudiate the doctrines and the teachings, you know where they get it from, from Jesus and from the Bible. That there are this idea, our dec- uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, was not around when, when the way of Jesus burst on the scene. You know where that came from? Jesus and the gospel spreading out all over the world and changed and revolutionized everything. Because, see, Jesus didn't come here to start a religion. We had enough of those already. Religion had not done it. Religion's all about you be good, you be better, you just keep trying, you keep trying, and maybe you hope you can give your bad, your good deeds outweigh your bad Jesus comes along with something completely different. He says, "I'm not here to start a religion. I'm here to start a revolution. I'm here to, to, to change and transform everything. Colossians 1. It's uh, one back one, uh, it's one book forward in your Bibles Colossians chapter one. This is our mission as a church. This is who we are. Because we're just, we don't get to decide the mission. We're not a business that gets to decide here's our mission and kind of sit down and do a retreat with whiteboards and post-it notes and all that kind of stuff. It's right here. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That is what Jesus does. That is what we are in the business of doing here today. And I don't know how it morphed into our language, but several years ago, when we would talk about who we are as a church, it's like, let's not talking about like we're a church. There's enough of those around. What we're, to, what we're here to do is we're still in a world that is dominated and controlled by sin and Satan and evil. And you don't have to pay attention very long To not know that it's all the way, it's everywhere. Sin, Satan, evil is everywhere. And he says, "Look, you're deployed here as an outpost, not a church, and a religion. You're an outpost in God's kingdom, to go kick the teeth out of Satan and sin and evil, to go do what Jesus talked about, to get people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. That's the whole mission of everything that we do." Here. And we're a kingdom outpost designed to be out there to live as citizens of that kingdom, to, to transform your life, to transform the lives of people in our neighborhoods and our city, all that, all that and more. That's what salt and light, with those verses that uh, uh, Rebecca just read for us the salt of the earth and light of the world, that when light starts to shine, even a small one, it obliterates darkness. It transforms everything. And it's just start, what it does is, as you study this in history, and anthropology and those of you that paid attention to those kind of classes, you watched what happened as Christianity merged into places. There's all kinds of stories about, well, they did this and that, and they certainly, did, we didn't always get it right. But you just look at it, what, what Tom Holland does in Dominion and other even non-Christian historians will do. Go, look, when Christianity gets in there and gets embedded in that culture and it became, gets that critical mass, it changes everything for the good. It transforms everything, makes a difference. I thought of this quote, uh, Sam Tate on our team reminded me as I heard it years ago from a guy named Tim Keller. It says this, if you and your church were to disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow, would anyone in the community around you notice you were gone? And if the community did even notice, would they say, we're really glad they're gone or dang, we're going to miss them? That's Guys, I hope that's who we are as a church, to be the kind of place that is noticed and noticeable. So that when people hear about us, or if we were to go away for some reason, they'd be really bummed and sad and not like, thank God those morons are gone. How we do that here? To be a kingdom outpost shining the light in the darkness. Um, we do that here some by what we do here every weekend. Throw in a service, okay, hey, it's a party, it's a come, come on out. Whether you're a brand-new Christian, not yet a Christian, or been a Christian a long, long, long time, uh, come. We, our whole deal is to people discovering and following. You don't have to have this stuff all figured out yet. Some of you are here today going, I'm not sure I get this yet, really, but I'm just interested kicking the tires on it. Um, and so we, we do that here. And then the reason that you, some of you, <laughs> the people that uh, were there at the Jamboree last night, got all done, we all went home. They were there still packing up the trailer, packing up stuff, and they got back here and had to unload everything, and they get back here this morning early and do all that. That's not because they have a job here because they're just trying to volunteer. They're citizens of a kingdom making some trouble for the enemy. Go, we're, we're doing that to help get people out of darkness into, into the light. Uh, we, we did it this morning. Our, our band got here, like what, 7, 7.15, something like that. Crack of dawn kind of stuff out here. It was barely even light yet to get songs ready and stuff like that. The, the people that get out there, I saw our team out there today with the road signs out there so people can find us because I don't know if you know about our location. Our building's pretty awesome inside. Our location's a disaster, and our parking's even worse. And so don't say amen about that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. It's kind of crazy here sometimes. Uh, and yet I watched today our parking team maybe out there knowing, gosh, all of our visitor parking here that we have on the other side of the wall out there was all taken up by people. Again, our mission here is if you're a long time here, park far away and sit close. So make sure we keep things open and available for people. But I watched, I gave our guys out there in the vests out there just helping, welcome people, say hey to people. A person couldn't find a parking space, even across the street it was full. And they ran across the street and chased them down and said, follow me over here. I'll find you a place right over here and got him a parking space. They don't do that because it's their job or because they're a volunteer. They're citizens of a kingdom making a difference out here. All right, what I could talk about, our kids' teams out here. For those of you who work in kids' ministry and stuff like that, that's a tricky thing because you, well, you don't even hear me right now because you're back there with those kids. But you don't get to sit in here with the, with the adults and with everybody else in here. You're back there with the children. That's making a difference. It's recognizing that we don't wait for kids to be 19, 20, 21 adults to have that light of Christ ignited in their heart. This can start at four, five, and six years old. So that's why, why you do that there. Those of you that volunteer and, and serve there, it's not just because well, we need to take care of kids here so the adults can listen to the guy yell at us for 45 minutes. We do it because we recognize there's something to be, there's an investment in making that kid's life. The people out there with the name tags and the greeters and all that kind of stuff, we're not just doing that just to have fun out there because we've got to keep people busy here. We want to create a chance to have a welcoming conversation, say, we saw you, we're glad you're here. All that and more. We can talk about all the different things that you guys do all over the place here. And then what we did. So, sorry. Remind a little bit. We always tell you here, uh, join a team. Join a group. Join one of our small groups and join a team. If you're not on a team yet, if you're not on a team yet and you've been coming here longer than two months, we have messed up. You should be be jumping in somewhere because you're part of us now. Jump in there. Get involved here. And I'm just telling you right now, This will be so much more fun for you if you do that. Because we don't, consumer Christianity is just lame and silly and you'll just become an awful Christian. There's enough of those out there in the world. (laughs) Join a team and now you're investing in something, you're believing, so jump in to a team. That's what we did last night at the big jack lantern Jamboree, wasn't that awesome last night? So, so, so fun. We have families that are here today. I saw a couple of them here as they walked up. You know how they discovered us? at our thing last fall and just showed up here a few months ago. In fact, I'm not going to embarrass him because he's sitting over here somewhere. But he showed up and said, hey, you know, I've been checking this stuff out. Can I get baptized today? No, he already got baptized. We did this a few months ago. But again, it was a chance to create awareness and curiosity about Christ, about, again, the kingdom, not even ultimately about our church. Certainly it starts our church, but about God's kingdom, what he wants to do here. Um, and I don't know, someday we might have a big awesome building and do all crazy stuff and have all that stuff. But one of the things that's fun about this is that uh, there's a theologian, um, R. Ryle, also known as Ariel, from Little Mermaid. <laughs> Here's what I want us to be. I want to be where the people are. <laughs> and not tell the people, hey, come over here where we are. So the reason, guys, the reason we're out there is because a, a few years ago, people on our team said, why are we telling everybody to come over here and come be attracted to the light over here? It's going, ooh, over here. What if we already go where they already are and shine the light right there? More people get reached that day. The awareness and curiosity, the light gets, gets sparks all over the place out there. That's the reason that we're there. And, and yet you hear this. Some of you today are going, oh, gosh, I know what's coming. When of our pastors get up and talk about stuff like this. They have some big thing we're going to do, and they're going to ask us to all jump in and serve and volunteer. I'm not doing that today. This is not about some new thing you need to do because you're already busy enough. One of the first messages in this series was on the idea of what if Jesus meant it when he said that taking a Sabbath was more important than not committing adultery. Because before you get to adultery, he talks about take a break, rest, rejuvenate yourself. But that's, I digress a little bit. Um, you'll, You'll see there on your note sheet, let's shine bright where we already are. Rather than say, let's go find a new way to go shine the light, where are you already? And guys, this is going to be super practical. This is, I mean, you go, look, I could preach that sermon today but this part, but just some practical ways that you shine the light. The number one place where you already are is your home and your neighborhood, right? So you spend most of your time. And, and wait, wait, what does that mean to shine my light bright in my home or my neighborhood? Well, the Bible talks about it over and over again, the idea of hospitality. Hospitality and throwing a party. Now, we talk about hospitality, some of you think, oh, gosh, i got to get a table runner, and I have to get matching napkins, and I have to get charcuterie boards. <laughs> Two years ago, I went people said charcuterie. I went, what are you even talking about? You know what hospitality is? Hey, come over. We're having hot dogs and burgers tonight and some beverages of various kinds. Um, come on over. Or the game's on. You want to come over and watch the game with us. Just, do, just come over and, and hang, hang out with us. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that you do when you're just in the neighborhood and just stuff comes up. I was talking to people in our small group, Jerry and Julie, talked about last week they relate to a small group. You know why? Because they're talking to their neighbors about our church and God and it just kind of came up. And you just get a chance to just chat with people about it. Um, Billy Tate, who's back there behind the glass today, he's our head of broadcast stuff back there. Uh, he, his wife was telling me this week that uh, he's shining the light so bright in his neighborhood is that... Did the, the neighbor kids come over all the time and say, can Billy come out and play? <laughs> now, if you know Billy, they, like, he's like, I don't know how old he is, but he's still like 14 <laughs> in the sense of how he lives and works and operates. Now, again, for some of you are going, oh, gosh, my home, you have to throw parties all the time. And have people." No, no, do what works for you. You do you. If you're off the charts extrovert, I know a few of you out here, like you're a party waiting to happen all the time. There's stuff going on. For some of you, you go, I can't do it all the time. But hey, once in a while, just invite somebody over to have a cup of coffee or hang out and watch a game or play a game or uh, whatever. Um, Sometimes, too, though, it might be offering just to help. When somebody new moves to your neighborhood, you show up with a pizza and some stuff or even just have Uber deliver it for you. You save save your time having to do it yourself because people are moving in and just go offer to help and meet them and say, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Glad to meet you. Let me know if I can help with anything. Let me know if I can help. It would be awesome. Because we live in in times right now where people, you know how this is, right? Automatic garage door openers. You drive in the neighborhood in your car, pull into there, it opens up, it closes down, and we never see you again until the next morning when you come out. What if we actually intentionally got out of our house, got out of the house, walked around the neighborhood with your animals, with your children, your children who are behaving like animals, whatever. (laughs) Walk around out there with that and just... Chat with people. Meet them. Find out what, where they work, what they do, what their kids do, that kind of thing. Quick conversations. Sometimes, too, it's, uh, I heard about this years ago. It's called having a, taking a prayer walk. And just at some point, you just walk around the neighborhood and, God just, I'm just going to pray for these people today. I'm not going to go stop and say, can I pray for you? That'd be weird. Don't do that. But it might be just walking by. If you know what's going on in their life or you know they're struggling with something, or so just pray for them. And if you don't know them, God, I don't even know who's in that house today. So I have nothing specific to pray for them other than this, God. Would you create hunger and thirst for you that only you can fill? And would you, this is the way you pray too, would you give me an opportunity to have a conversation? And just watch what happens there as you do that kind of thing. Uh, The second place where you can shine bright like a diamond, you spend at least as much time of your waking hours at work as you do at home. So it's your job, your job in the workplace. We spend a ton of time there. Colossians. Here's a great verse. And this is a verse, that applies to you whether you work at a Christian company or a godless company. Some of you know I got a godless company. It's awful here. Here's your mission. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Work. What's the next word there? Willingly. At whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance which is a reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. Your ultimate boss there is not your boss. It's Jesus, and he's keeping track of things. So we do a great job in everything we do. Uh, just go back to Ephesians. It's a few pages to the left in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, in these verses here, he's talking about slaves. A quick little note on this. When we talk about slaves in the Bible there's several places in the Bible where it categorically condemns what was practiced in the West here for hundreds of years, race-based slavery, where you went and kidnapped people and brought them in against their will. Slavery in the Roman Empire, in the Greek and Roman Empire, was you were kind of, you were owned by somebody, It was more akin to an employer-employee relationship than it was race-based slave, uh, human trafficking kinds of th- stuff. And so people, most of the time, We're born into it or even volunteer. Hey, I can't take my of our family. Can I become your servant, your slave and work at your place and they would take care of you and all that kind of thing? He tells here the servants, the slaves here. Look at verse 6 of chapter 6. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Students in here who are going to school, your work right now is not a job. Your work is going to school. That means in that classroom. If they know you're a Christian, you know what it means? You do a good job even when the teacher isn't watching, even then. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. What it means is your job is to glorify God in that workplace. And the way you glorify God in the workplace is is not primarily by putting Christian music on, on your, in your little cubicle. It's not about wearing a Christian t-shirt, Christian screensa- screensavers. It's not even having Bible studies at lunch or a break, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But that's not what it means to shine your light there. You know what it means to shine your light there? And shine bright like a diamond. Number one, it means just work hard. Do a good job. This won't be on the screen. Just going to give you, work hard. Uh, d- don't do enough just to get by. There's all kinds of verses there in your note sheet about what it means to, to work hard. Uh, Paul in the book of Philippians says it this way. Writing us, he says, Look, every one of you should look out for someone else's interest, not just your own. That would apply in the workplace, which means if you are an employee there and you're getting a paycheck from that company, you don't just look out for what's in it for you. You say, How do I help this company succeed? How do I help my boss, my manager, the people that supervise me succeed? And the Bible is even going to tell us, even when they're a hot mess disaster as a boss. In fact, even more so because then you're going to turn good for evil, which is actually behaving exactly what Jesus told us to do. Not just good for good. Any moron can do that. Good for evil is what he calls us to. That's what will revolutionize the world. It means even like employers, people that are bosses and owners. You just look out for what's good for your company and grind your people out and get the most out of it. How do I look out for them? And you do that kind of thing, you're going to transform that workplace. You're going to shine bright like a diamond. I love it in in chapter, uh, what he says here that we, uh, we don't do just enough to get by as, in, as people that work in the workplace. We don't just do our minimum. He says, do your best there. Work with enthusiasm. You know what the word en- enthusiasm means? Entheos, it means to be, work like you're possessed by God. Because there's news newsflash. You are. You have the spirit inside of you. Live that out. Work with enthusiasm there. And here's what the thing is I wonder about. Um, When it comes to working in the workplace, remember that quote earlier about if your church left the the community? What you would want is, if you have to leave your company, they would say, would they say, glad that guy's gone. Oh, man, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss her. It's also going to mean you work with integrity. What it means to shine bright. You work with integrity in the workplace, which means at times they're not always going to like you in the workplace when you're not going to go cook the books or do shady business practices, accounting, that kind of stuff. I talked to guys here, guys that are, he's a senior VP of crazy corporations, all kind of stuff. He says, yeah, it's kind of hard because you go out to the work trips in Vegas and all that stuff. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and people going, guys going out, it's just what they do. Go get drunk at the strip clubs because it's just what you do on the road. And to walk in there and go, I'm not going. And it feels like, well, now you're going to be judged and people would think you're weird and stuff. Yeah, they might. But look at me right, look at me right in a second. You know, when the, when the wheels come flying off in that guy's life, you know who he's going to? Not his beer-drinking strip club buddies. He's coming to you. So that's how you shine bright. Even when they don't like you, even when you're pushed back the thing, you shine bright by taking a stand on some things. And again, don't be a jerk about it. You just go, I'm not going to go to that. I'm not going to be part of that. And then I think the other way you can shine bright in the workplace is how you handle difficult situations and conflict. Preschoolers don't know how to do that very well. I'm discovering, and I don't know what it changed. Maybe it's because I'm old. I'm becoming that get off my lawn, old man. I don't know. But I watch things all the time and go, grown adults with Graduate degrees, behaving like preschoolers when conflict comes up, when somebody makes them mad. The way you can shine bright there is to go, Look, I'm not going to get involved in all that stuff. And what you're going to say this is too, with, with the gossip that goes on and the rumors that go on, what you're going to say is this I'm going to put a cap on this. If anybody else hears about this, it won't be from me. You shut that stuff off and don't let it continue. That's how you can shine bright in the workplace. And then uh, a third place, that you can shine bright in the world is what the people that study anthropology, they actually call it the third place. You have home, you have work, and then you have your third place. The other thing that you, oh, what, what do we even put up here? What does it say, is the third place? Other places. I couldn't come up with a cool name for it. Other places. Things, things like uh, the gym. The gym that you're part of, or you go work out there. Uh, all it, these book clubs, wine clubs, that kind of stuff, poker, golf. and I'm not going to give you all the ideas. All kinds of things you're involved in, like just fun things like like you get to do as an adult. Sometimes you're on teams. Some of you play baseball, basketball, softball, pickleball, whatever it is in those kind of settings. That's where you are. Shine bright there. Represent Christ well there. Those of you who have kids or grandkids, your kids are most of them are on teams, probably too many. That's a different talk for a different day. But the teams they're on, when you're there as an adult, how are you doing there? And sometimes it means you get involved and you coach and you help out. you be the first one in to help and volunteer, but sometimes too, it's not even just about that. You know what it is sometimes? Sometimes you're just there. Uh, Adam and Alicia, they're here today. I got their permission to share this. This is probably, I don't know how long ago this was, they first showed up at our church, but I asked them, how'd you come here? They said, well, because we, knew we were on this team and stuff, and Rob and Crystal were there, our friends there, and we just saw them. We didn't know much about them. We got to know them there and found out they were church. They, they made a difference there. Just watching you, just being there, watching how you talk about things and stuff uh, can be super, super impactful. So um, probably other things your, your kids are in, involved in, stuff like that, be, be, be the light there. And then the stores you shop at, If you go to the same coffee place all the time, Uh, a quick tip here, if you go out to to lunch after church today, all the servers in town know the church crowd is coming. We should tip obscenely. (laughs) Be obscene in how you tip at those places, especially if they know you're from, especially if you have your name tag still on, you've done that, (laughs) and you go, I go to church here in town. Man, you, can't, you have to be crazy about that. You can't, and don't do that lame thing. I, these dumb, I, none of you have probably ever done this. I heard the story I go, well, the best tip I can give you today is, a, is to know that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. <laughs> yeah. Please never do that kind of thing. If you do, there's other churches I'll tell you to go to. Um, <laughs> and then the fourth, the fourth way to do this, to shine your light, is in the digital world. Oh, yeah, everybody's going, oh, grud, shoot. I like what I posted this morning there. Um, remember the old back at WWJD? Remember somebody gave the bracelets, what would Jesus do? A new one for you, HWJP. How would Jesus post? <laughs> I bet a bunch of stuff would be off of your site today if that filter went on there. You might go, it be my dinner about three years ago that I posted there. Everything else might just disappear. All kinds of stuff like that. Now, when it comes to this, the, the the deal with this is to create awareness and curiosity about Christ and about our church. Awareness, curiosity, awareness, curiosity. But when they, when you've created awareness and curiosity, when you've sh- when your light's been shining bright, when when that happens, you got to be ready. Be ready or get ready. First Peter, find it. It's to the back of your Bible. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. First Peter, chapter three. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain what happens. So when they ask you about your church and like you've created some more innocent curiosity, be ready to explain it. Now again, it's not explain things to people who aren't asking. He doesn't say that. When that went off, when, but if you're, if you're living the light, Living the light and the, the getting all that kind of stuff. Here's a great way to just be ready for it. And one of the ways we do that is what the first disciples did. The first disciples, you know what they said? We don't know anything yet. Just come and see. Just come check it out. I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff yet. Just come and see. And come, come and see means I don't have to have all the answers yet. Like they ask a bunch of questions. What does your church believe about this and that and everything else? I don't know. You should just come check it out sometime. Just invite them. To come and see. Anybody can do that. Should We have people at our church right now who are sitting here today who aren't even followers of Jesus yet who are doing that. The, the first disciples weren't Christians yet when they tell people to come and see who Jesus is. You don't have to be a Christian yet to tell people about Jesus. That's awesome. But also in the digital world, uh, right, I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. I forgot if I put it on there or not. Come and see is now like and share in the digital world. If you want to boost the post out there about things like our jamboree or about our church, like and share, like and share, like and share. And if you put some comments in there, more than like four or five words, these are people that know this stuff. I'm just quoting what they're telling me. Without spending one more dime or having to be great, you can just like and share and put a couple comments in there. It just gets it. The algorithm sees what's going on there. It just boosts that up and spreads it farther and wider. So check that out, like and share. Now, when somebody asks a question about things and you've said, hey, check it out, but they ask what's this all about for you, and ask some more questions, be ready, number one, to tell your story. Tell your story. And and your story is how how this became real for me. Now, if you lived a life of debauchery and depravity, tell that story and talk about how Jesus came and saved you. But if you're like me, who I was born, and I think at two weeks old I was sitting in church, not in, the, in church, and you better not cry because you're going to get a... No, th- th- my mom's not here today, I can say that. Um, and it, but again, I just around it, kind of grew up in that world and kind of in that pool of Christianity. But it wasn't until I got to like 18, 19, 20 where it became real for me. Where I said, okay, now this, this is... I'm going to believe, not because my parents told me to, but it's mine. And don't worry... If your story's not crazy, you think, well, I only can impact somebody if i got a crazy story. Because most people's stories are not crazy. There's a few of people that have mm, some stuff. Uh, we know who you are. <laughs> but if you just tell your story, that's all people need to hear is this is my deal. And just tell that part and then just tell what it became real for me. Here's how it happened for me where I decided I'm done living that life. I'm giving my life to Christ. But it's not just important to tell your story. You have to tell the story. Or his story. This is what the gospel is all about. And what you need to do when you tell your story and tell his story, you need to practice this and get it down to what they call in the sales world an elevator pitch. People don't want to listen to you for 25 minutes go on and on and on about the doctrine of justification, sanctification, and superlapsarianism and all the. Tell the story. And here's the story. I'm going to give it to you really quickly here. It's three parts to what the gospel is, what it means to tell the story. The first part is the problem or situation. The man, that God loves us so much that even though we mess things up with our sin and our rebellion, he, he loved us so much. And that was the situation, but that separation, that created separation from God and we were in a mess. But God loved us so much. Here's what God did. So the, the problem situation was God's love in our sin. That, that what God did was the gospel, that he lived in my place the life I was supposed to live. He died in my place, the death I deserve to die, to cancel the power of sin, to break the penalty of sin in my life. And then he rose again from the dead to give an offer of forgiveness to say that you can can come back into a relationship with God. You can transfer, remember that verse in Colossians, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You can have that. And all you have to do, you believe that he died, lived, died, and rose again. You know how you get that? How you get that forgiveness and restoration to God? Here's what you do. Believe it. No, no, I can't be that good. That's why it's crazy, ridiculous gospel good news. It can't be quite that easy. It's exactly that easy. People, what does it mean to believe? Here's what belief means. We've used this phrase now here for years. What belief means is this. I come to a point where I recognize that what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago in his life and death and resurrection counts for me today. It wasn't just some historical event. It, there's something that happens here and there's a great exchange that happens where I can be forgiven of my sin and brought back into God's family and start to change me from the inside out. If you're not a Christian today, you just heard the good news. You might need to close the deal with God today on that connection card that they had you fill out a couple minutes ago. John has a note about that. It's a place I can become a follower of Jesus Christ today. I'd love to talk about what that means for you, this moving out of darkness into light, and what God wants to do is transform you and change your life and make it amazing for you. So jot me a note about that uh, at some point, and we'll get back to you uh, today. Now, the band's going to come up right now. We're going to give you a chance to, to, have, to, 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 to sing today. Sing as people who were transferred out of darkness into light. If you're not yet a Christian, you're still wondering about that, you can sing with us. Just let the Spirit of God just do some things in your heart and soul today as the, the lights are going to go down for a bit. We'll mute the lights down, and we're going to sing like crazy. We'll also give you a chance to come today to our prayer team there at the back of the house, back in that back corner of the room back there. If you need prayer for anything today, maybe you've got problems, situations, stuff in your life, uh, go back there. Let them pray with you and pray for you uh, about what's going on today. And then in the four corners of the room, we have communion, and communion is bread and juice, And here's the crazy thing, guys. The bread and juice, Jesus told his first disciples in in an upper room in Jerusalem, he says, that bread and juice now represents a new covenant in my blood. My body will be broken. My blood will be spilt. But the bread represents my body. The juice, the wine, represents my blood. And guys, look at this crazy thing. A remembrance of a crucified, bloodied body on a cross is what we've been celebrating after 2,000 years. To remember how amazing that was that God did that for us. Jesus was the light of the world. He calls us to be the light of the world. Now, I'm not going to pray us out today into this. Uh, some of you probably heard this before, but I came across it years ago and it was brought to my memory again today. This will be our prayer now as we enter into worship. You can lower the lights right now, now as I'm reading this and we're going to sing like crazy. It says this, He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then, for three years, he was an itinerant preacher, never wrote a book, never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them betrayed him. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments. The only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave to the pity of a friend, and three days later, they said, he rose again. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today, he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of humanity on this earth as this one solitary life." Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.